This is HPR episode 2281 entitled HPR Community News for April 2017 and is part of the series HPR Community News. It is hosted by HPR volunteers and is about 92 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is HPR volunteers talk about shows released and comments posted in April 2017. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hacker Public Radio. This is the community news show for the month of April. Ken always has problems with this. <laughs> I can see why. Because there's a lot of months floating around in front of me here. Anyway, tonight, um, Ken is not available. So I thought I was going to have to do this on my own. And you will be delighted to know that I don't have to because I have two friends to to come and uh, and help out. We have tonight Christopher Hobbs. Say hello, Christopher. Hello, Christopher. <laughs> and we have JWP. Would you like to go by JWP, by the way? Uh, yes. Uh, hello, JWP here. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me and uh, to help out with this this fun fun event. So the first thing we do is to speak about new hosts this month, and we've had two. We have FTH and VNAM, I think is the way he pronounced his name. So we'll be uh, getting around to looking at their their shows as we as we go along. So the the agenda is we'll uh, go through all the various shows that have been uh, broadcast or come out on the feed this past month and we will be looking at any comments that have been made to them then we'll um we'll check any other comments and then we'll look at email in the in that period so the first show for april was the last community news and normally we don't say much about the last community news because it gets very recursive if we do but we had some comments on this one and we had one from JWP. Do you, you care to read out your comment to, to this? Can you, have you got it in front of you, JWP? I have the website in front of me, Dave, but I, I, it says H, HPR Volunteers is the host, and it, so I just click on it to see the comments. It's okay. It's okay. What, 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 we, what I normally do, what Ken and I normally do, because we've, we've been doing this for a while now, so, so we, it's just sort of a habit more than anything else, is the the notes that for that will go out with this show contain links to each of the shows so you can follow through to the show i've got mine open up in another tab so that i can uh, just look at the comments to it but uh, if you if you manage to to find where we are then 
let me know and I'll hand over to you to, to do a bit of reading if you feel like it. But otherwise, I'll just go ahead with these, yeah? So the comment on the last uh, community news show from JWP was one button submit, and uh, where he asked, how do you upload the voice memo of an iPhone to HPR? I'm a fan of one button upload. Then uh, the next comment was myself, uh, not relevant to JWP's comment, where I was simply remarking on the fact that uh, during the, the show, we spoke of the Amateur Radio Roundtable, and I forgot to mention a podcast episode that I'd heard recently, and the podcast is called Exposing Pseudo-Astronomy, and the guy was talking about the subject of radiation. And he, to my mind, he did a really good job of explaining this subject, and I put a link to it and the feed if you're, if you're interested. So if you, if you don't quite get what radiation means in the sense of, you know, is X-ray radiation, is uh, uh, cosmic rays radiation, etc. He He's an astronomer and he did a brilliant job of explaining it, I thought. The third comment was from Ken Fallon, replying to JWP's comment, where he says, one button will not fix the steady supply problem. Hi, JWP. Yes, it would be nice if we could have a one-button record function, but it will only benefit the seasoned contributors like yourself. Most people struggle with having the perfect show and procrastinate about the ums and ors. The last people to use a one-button stroke dial-in option are the exact people we're trying to target. This will not fix the steady supply of shows issue. So, no comment, I think. So, pushing on to show 2262 we had eric duhamel with a show entitled abstracting nurse jesus so as i understood this he was largely talking about his random number generator in in a game i think that he was he's producing yes he's using pi game to make a make a game so uh, he was talking about the random number generated needed to do various things in it I uh, talk to Eric pretty regularly, and if you haven't tried his Little Python games, they're a lot of fun. I, I don't mean to be demeaning to call it Little Python games, but they're very simple and, and quite enjoyable to play. It's been a lot of fun listening to him explain his thought process with building these things. Um, yeah, it's a pretty good episode, I think. Yeah, I, I've seen him mention it on GNU Social um, we, because uh, he's he's on there as well, but I've not really followed it up. It sounds 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 worth a check. Yeah, it's quite fun. It's it feels like a mix between a uh, dungeon crawler to some degree and and Pac Man. <laughs> I don't know quite oh, how wow. to explain it. <laughs> That's an interesting combination. <laughs> okay, let's yeah, get on. It's, uh, sorry, sorry. I'm, no, go uh, ahead, go ahead. I was going to say the name of it is a uh, Labyrinth of the Dead. Cool. Okay, I'll, I'll check that out. So I was going to push on to uh, show 2263, which is Freak Does Geek um, by FTH, one of our new hosts. Now, this was a very unusual and interesting show. Where he was talking, uh, he was out with his friend, um, whose name I, did, oh, his friend Hugh, I had made a note of it. And they were on the bus, I think having dropped their kids off and were, were talking about various things. And they had some fascinating things to to discuss and Hugh is visually impaired so his insight to to these various things were were quite amazing it's a fascinating show I thought 
Yeah, I really enjoyed this one as well. I, I used to build interfaces uh, for, for the blind, and it was neat to hear their descriptions of his perception of, you know, the world around him, especially after having, I believe he was previously sighted. And so yes, I think so, yes. His, his, his lost, lost most of his sight, I believe, uh, in, in the fairly recent past. But, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was very interesting. They were talking about, um, tape recorders, cassette tape recorders, the sort of portable ones, which was which was interesting in itself, and uh, it's just quite an interestingly broad discussion of things related to to audio matters on the bus, and you could hear the ambient sounds of the of the bus in the background, which I always like to have these sort of scene setting noises in the background. Absolutely. And um, I, I hope they do another episode. I especially learned a little bit about MP3. I don't think I knew any of the history about it. And so it was nice to get that lesson rolled in with the nice uh, audioscape as well. Yeah, absolutely. We had one comment on this show, um, which was from Beza, who said, brilliant show. I rarely listen to an HBR episode, which I don't find interesting to some extent. However, this one excelled in that just about everything was new to me perspective of a visually impaired person of how the world looks in quotes was both rare and fascinating i would do it would do all of us good to be reminded the world is not perceived by everyone the same way i do hope that you produce some more shows soon which uh, i completely agree with i thought the the comment was really nice Uh, good good comment yes indeed indeed it's uh it's good again as we've said before, getting some sort of supportive comments on, especially on on the first show that's been submitted to HBR, is is a great thing, you know. And uh, just to say welcome on board or, or whatever it is, right? Yeah, that was a that was a, was a good comment, I thought. So moving on, show two two six four at the library by Bill NFMZ One Miller. So he was talking about his local library and the features that it offers. Um, and uh, it was, was really, I, I've, I've personally found this great. I, I've been a great believer in libraries all my life, really. Um, and uh, the picture the, that he painted was uh, sounded, sounded as if libraries are still going strong, particularly in his part of the world, at least. So that's good. As an uh, as an American living in Germany, uh, it um, the German government in Karlsruhe kept one of the American Army libraries open and active, and uh, and so they they do everything pretty much that uh, that that Bill was talking about in his podcast. Uh, uh, but in particularly uh, when it's closed on the weekends, they still keep the stairwell open, so you can drop off and donate whatever you want, and then they sell it on eBay to sort of keep the library going uh, at the city. Uh, but it, it's really amazing what you can do. And in particularly, a lot of libraries help with homeless, homelessness in the States with internet access and uh, uh, such things so that people can apply for jobs and get off the streets in the States. So uh, libraries are still pretty important in today's society. Absolutely, yes. Yes, it's, it's good that uh, they still exist in, in the sort of traditional way. Uh, it got me thinking about uh, using my local library. I used to when my kids were small. They're, they're in their twenties now, so we tend not to be at the library much. 
and I went to the local library and made sure I, my library card was uh, renewed so I can go and make use of it when I get a chance. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Bill, for that heads up. Yeah, it was fantastic. And uh, you mentioned for traditional things, but it's important to note, too, which he underscores that libraries have much more than just traditional things. One of my local libraries offers uh, baking sheets and fishing poles for checkout. So I'm a huge proponent of libraries and really enjoyed this episode for sure. Yeah, I'd like to hear what other libraries are, are doing. That would be an interesting thing, because as you say, there's a lot more to them than, than there used to be. Um, I think John Culp did a show on going to his library where they had um, a maker space there that he was using, using the 3D printer or something like that. So I guess libraries are, are moving in those sorts of directions, which is wonderful to see. So there were three comments on this show. First one was from Clinton Roy, where he said Podnuts, and he said Podnuts podcast was referenced, and he gave a link to it. Um, and uh, he followed up with a second comment. Great idea. I should definitely do this in my library, I think is what he meant to say, Mr. Word. But uh, yeah, it's good, very good. And um, Windigo said... Similar experience. While living on the north coast of California, the library was more than just a repository for paper books. It was essentially a community centre. My partner and I attended class, talks and classes, spent time in between appointments reading and using their Wi-Fi and borrowed plenty of movies and books from our branch. Libraries are a fantastic resource and seem to be helping the least fortunate in our communities. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, show 2265. What OS on Lenovo X61S from Tony Hughes? Um, <laughs> his, the eSpeak always calls him Akka, which I found amusing. Um, Tony H1212 is his also known as name. So this is Tony um, with his, um, I think both John, uh, JWP and I have met Tony because he's always always busy uh, at odd camps doing all sorts of things in the in the background so uh, but anyway he's uh, he's obviously a guy for a for a bargain and uh, for for obtaining interesting um and useful smaller machines and he's talking about uh, his lenovo and running um what os on it just sounds like a great little machine i thought yeah, um, you know that's a addiction to have those old small things. Uh, as a as a Nokia in in seven hundred person and a uh, Asus seven hundred one person, uh, you know those can be quite addictive and to, to and they last forever. They, they just go on and on and on. Those just, they never break. Uh, they just continue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to see. I'm, I'm all for that myself. That's one of the beauties of, of things like GNU Linux and all of these other lower resource consumption distributions. Uh, I use a lot of old hardware too, so I uh, started looking into watchOS after reading this, and I may give it a shot on a couple of things. But yeah, they're, they're tanks, the old ones are. Yeah, they're, they're pretty robust machines, aren't they? I don't actually know this one personally, but uh, imagine all of these, these Lenovo's of that era are pretty good machines. So there were no comments on that one. So we'll move on to 2266, Gamebooks. So sort of 
sub-series of tabletop gaming and the game book is Lone Wolf and this is from Clatu. So this is about um, particular type of sort of single person game that you can play with a with what's effectively a programmed book from what I understood. I've never seen these. I remember programmed learning books which are not really very popular these days but uh, it, it sounds it sounds quite cool actually that you can you can sort of roll a roll a roll a set of dice or something and then use some other sort of random source and then that tells you how to how to move forward through the through the book um, and so forth. Uh, any of you, either of you guys into this sort of thing? Well, I'm not very familiar with it, but I downloaded the first one after I heard about it. It sounded a lot like a uh, choose your own adventure book, and I enjoyed this episode and his subsequent episode on the topic. I don't know that I have time to do this uh, because my leisure time is spent with other activities, but the 20 or so minutes I spent with Lone Wolf was really cool, and I wish that I had this when I was a lot younger. Um, I probably would have spent a lot of time playing these. They're really neat, especially the the one that he mentioned where two people could play simultaneously. I think he called it like the, the, the Black Knight and the White Mage. Maybe I'm making that up, but uh, yeah, very interesting. Uh-huh. That's pretty close with what you said. That, that's pretty close what it was. Uh, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood from that. But yeah, it brought back all kinds of things from my childhood of Dungeons and Dragons and things like this. But I'm like you. I, I, I just don't have enough time to really sit down and, and do that. No, it's understandable. My daughter's into Dungeons and Dragons. She's at university now and she's she and her friends uh, play D&D when they, when they get a chance. And uh, I should point her at, at least, see if that might be something of interest to her. So she wants to be a dungeon master for, at some point, so maybe that will give her some clues a little, to <laughs> to doing that. I'm not sure. We had one comment from Les Orchard uh, who said, Man, I love these books back in junior high in the 80s. I would usually read or play these in class after I got classwork done. I could sneakily, sneakily drop a pencil on the random number table and not get into in trouble like I did a few times for rolling dice because I was one of those kids who rolled dice in class. <laughs> That's a nice story. I can certainly relate to that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. Okay, let's move on to the next one, 2267 from Sigflup, Our Digital Art. And in this one, she is talking to a friend whose name is Sis and uh, they are both and I know Sigplup has schizophrenia and she's talked about it quite a lot. I I suspect that her friend does as well but I can't honestly remember whether that was the case but they both I believe it was mentioned, yeah. Yes. They're both artists. They both produce some very very um, Amazing looking pictures, which are available to see on the on the show uh, show notes, and uh, they both produce books um, of their their art, which is quite uh, quite astonishing, actually. It's, I have I'm in huge admiration of people who can do this. Well, the audio overlay uh, through I think all of her episodes is really cool too. She plays some nice music during the interviews uh, and during her discussions, and I think that really added to uh, their topic, um, you know, the art of music along with their digital painting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as you say that, I think Sis is into photography as well. I understood right, but yes, it's digital stuff, isn't it? And it's, uh, 
that that's also very impressive what you can do with that I, I wasn't quite clear how how this was done exactly did they say oh yeah was they said um gimp and things was that was that what was said somebody used gimp i think yeah um they i i i think sys used more traditional tools like adobe products but uh the gimp was used uh by the host and she even mentioned that she uses a mouse instead of a tablet, which I thought was fantastic. And they also talked a little bit about using iPads to produce art. Yeah, that's quite astonishing. My daughter is, um, she's a biology student, but she was in two minds when she went off to university whether she wanted to do art instead. So she does do quite a lot of uh, drawing and she does digital stuff on an iPad. But um, she's... Uh, so she would she would probably be interested in some of this this stuff. It, it, I just find it quite a an impressive um, form of of art um, on, in this way. So there were no comments on that one. So we'll move on to two two six eight, which is again from Bill NFMZ one Miller. And I should do that like a, a um, in the correct <laughs> ham radio style, but I don't know. Um, and his. His show was about fishing, fish on, he called it. And he was talking about various resources and hints relating to fishing, to planning a fishing trip and that type of thing. Yeah, he mentioned a lot of good apps. Uh, I try to leave my phone behind when I'm fishing, <laughs> but uh, I think I may have a reason to drag it with me out onto the lake now. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I didn't know about most of these. I mean, Google Maps and Google Weather, of course, uh, seemed like a lot of people know about. I hadn't considered using them for fishing, but um, the the app for tying braided lines was especially interesting, too, because those knots can be tricky. Yeah, I, I've, I've not done much fishing in my life. I've done a little bit of what they call coarse fishing. In, is that a British term? I'm not sure. You just fish in, in rivers and that type of stuff. But uh, so I'd only have a the tiniest amount of knowledge in this area. But sounds like some amazing facilities there for helping you out. Yeah, with me uh, uh, here in Germany, I, I hunt and I do a little bit of fishing. But uh, um, it, all of that for me is with a candy bar phone because the whole idea of it is to be away from electronics. Yeah, I can understand that. Okay, let's move on to 2269, which is called Chocolate Milk. And this was a show by Vinam. I think that's how he pronounced it. Um, and it was effectively a syndicated show. The, the only sort of syndication that we do now is uh, we um, have, if somebody finds a show or are doing a show for the, themselves, they um, they can set up an HPR episode where they talk about it to introduce it and so forth. And that's what this was. And the podcast that was being talked about was called Nixers. And there was a whole bunch of things that were being discussed here on a, quite a, a, a nice interview um, or chat, I suppose. We were talking about buckling spring keyboards and plan nine operating system and chocolate milk. So <laughs> that was good. I mean, to, for me, this this is the this is hacker public radio right here. When they came up and they started talking about you know old keyboards, uh, I, I I used to collect deck keyboards and and make them work with PCs, and 
and and Unix, and and then he started talking about chocolate milk, which I'm drinking right now. So it was. So he was really speaking to you there, JWP. That's cool. That's very cool. It yeah, the the keyboard thing fascinated me. I'm quite keen on different types of keyboards. My son, um, who I don't know how he got into it, is a is a is a guy who builds keyboards, and um, he. I just happened to have a collection of old keyboards in my house, and he grabbed an IBM Model M type keyboard. Yeah, it's a true IBM. So it's a the bit. Bef- it's a before the Unicomp stuff, which are which are clones of the Model M. And he completely refurbished it for me. That was my Christmas present. Yeah, refurbished with um, um, an eighty mega. Um, Clo- uh, clone in it to to run the the keyboard, um, and obviously it was a PS One originally. Now it's a, a USB keyboard. Uh, I've yet to work out what I can do with it. I'm not using it just at the moment, but uh, uh, I've not got into all of the capabilities of it yet. <laughs> That's going to be a, a project for later. But so I really feel for what they're talking about there. That was that was very cool. I thought I'm a uh cherry user myself and it would be neat to see someone do an expanded episode about keyboards they're really catching on now and uh also quite enjoyed this episode because i was a plan nine user for a long time uh really enjoy the acme editor so it was nice hearing them talk about that too so yeah somebody out there should probably do an episode on mechanical keyboards and one on plan nine as well i would love to learn more about plan nine i, I knew of it um but never experienced it or, or anything of that sort and that uh, it sounds sounds really good it, was it um who who did was dennis ritchie one of the contributors to plan nine i can't remember yeah he was uh, along with rob pike um and that general crew uh in fact i believe rob pike contributed the user interface for it uh i think it's called rio um, right uh, right yeah. uh-huh yeah Okay, very cool. Um, yeah, Dennis Ritchie used to hang out at the university. I, I mean, he used to visit the university I worked at moderately often. So I've never spoken to him, but uh, I never spoke to him, I should say. But uh, he used to come along to the various uh, Unix user group meetings and that type of stuff. Very impressive guy, pretty amazing. So yeah, yeah, I would have, you know, hindsight and all that it would have been great to have had a chat with him about that. <laughs> Too late now. There you go. But a very interesting episode. I would love to hear. Must listen to more of these. But, uh, yeah, as you say, JWP, that sort of content that uh, that goes down well on HPR. So there were comments here. Um, do you want to read out? If you can, you see your your own comment, JWP. Do you want to read it out? Sure. I I have it. Uh, I I wrote um, uh, the first thing I said was great. Uh, I really like your talk about Plan 7, the keyboard. I love loud clicks too. And, of course, I love chocolate milk. Uh, so three gold stars for you. At Ken, this is the uber geek stuff that rocks me to the core. And and uh, the next one is by a guy named uh, DOD Dummy. And he said, I like the show, um, but I enjoyed the show. But I'm curious if it counts as a syndicated show not created for HPR. I repeat, I like to show, and in fact, I've added it to my list. And then Ken came with a really long, a really long uh, thing as a, as a, as per the summary, a sample show of the Mixers podcast. Um, 
and then uh he uh he's he's really reiterating the stuff that i mentioned earlier on um about how we do do we don't syndicate them as such but we do um offer them offer people a route to to tell the community about uh, other shows so just save you a bit, a bit well, of reading. it's in, it's interesting because in again in life because i i got to I got to do SAP stuff during the day. Um, it, you know, I only have time for so many, right? And and the HPR. So if I have my HPR feed, and if I'm listening to Jupiter Broadcasting their feed, that's about all the tech stuff I'm going to get for the week. And so if they want to mix one of theirs in every once in a while, especially if it's that quality, I'm I'm very good with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's good to. What we used to do in the past was we we would uh, syndicate shows so so that they would we would run um, things like uh, Sunday morning Linux review, for example, would pop up every every week or every couple of weeks or whatever it was as a syndicated show on HPR. Well, we stopped doing that per se, but um, but a, a way of just getting shows out there is, is is still open to to anybody who wants to to do it. So. That, that I think it's great. There, there is a Ken mentions that Hacker Media, which is a sister site for HPR, um, does do syndication of, of stuff. So uh, he's going to look into whether these sorts of things could could uh, be syndicated through that route. Okay, moving on then to show two two seven zero, which was me doing the final episode talking about managing tags on HPR episodes third in a, in a group and um, it was uh, just really how to do database stuff um, but trying to make the point that we need to do something relating to tags to, to make it easier to find related shows on the site or whatever really to get some discussion going was, was what it was about. I'm glad you took the initiative on this one um, there was a lot of talk in the past on the mailing list about tags and I don't think there were a lot of solutions provided, so it was good to see um, a collection of them spread out. And this combined with your other database episode was a really nice sort of um, abstract dive into some of the capabilities of databases that people might not see often if they use an object relationship mapper or something of that nature. So yeah, yeah for doing this one. that's a good point, actually. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, I I quite like playing with databases, but I'm just a... An amateur, really, um, but I just just like it, and uh, yeah, I feel that maybe we should have some some shows about uh, the guts of databases, perhaps. But yeah, you're right; the object relational thing hides lots of it away. I don't really like that very much personally, but that's because I'm old and uh, stuck in my ways. So there were a bunch yeah. of comments. Sorry, JJ. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I I listened, Dave, but. It- after three or four minutes, you got over my head really, really quickly. But I, I listened; it was it was okay for me. But it, it was it was really, really as someone that doesn't do databases at all, it was really, really hard. Yeah, I know, I know. I apologized at various points for the fact that uh, this might not be your thing if you if you're into not into databases. But I hoped it might appeal to some people who were and they who could, you know, make some. Give some feedback on on the way forward, perhaps some suggestions or just you know some comments to the effect that yeah you you're not doing too badly or this is the way to do it or something. So the show got a bunch of comments. 
some of which were mine commenting back to people. Um, the first one was from Steve, who said, make it so. As someone who is also not formally trained in database administration, but nonetheless does quite a bit of database administration and development, what you've said and the conclusion you've drawn sound exactly right to me. I say, make it so. So I replied to that saying, thanks, Steve. I appreciate the comment. I'm really looking into how we can incorporate such features into the database and modify all of the code around it. So this was then followed by a comment by GWS, who says, a series is the same thing as a tag. If you need to distinguish them, put another column in the tag table, then join across the episode. Then the, the join across the episode tag is the same. I think he put some some chevrons in there, which got eaten by the comment system. So it makes it read a little odd. But um, yeah, across the, the episode tag um, linkage is probably what, what uh, that means. To which I replied, series same as tag question mark i think you have a point except that the series idea was originally designed to have two other significant attributes a description and a public private flag the description is an arbitrarily long text field used to store html which is displayed in the web page for shows that are part of the series the public private flag denotes whether the series is open to more contributors or not most modern series are public but some historical ones are private Changing the tag table to include these attributes to be used for series tags is not impossible, of course. It needs some thought. Thanks for the suggestion. And GWS came back and said, variable length columns like bar char or clob, it's not one I know, uh, should not balloon the size of your tag table just by adding them. Even assuming even a moderately sane DBMS, those large and sparse objects would be stored in separate data structure think string pool, so you pay for what you use. By the way, my earlier comment was meant to say episode left arrow, et tag, right arrow, tag, but I used angle brackets and the middle bit got swallowed by HTML, which is a damn nuisance. I hate it when, when that happens. It's, I've been caught out by that many times. I think club might be character large object. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Like I say, I'm not that. I know I'm a sort of a self-taught database person so my knowledge is is limited so uh, yeah but it's a, it's a learning experience i got it's a nice kind <laughs> yeah. there's a comment from brenda j butler i'm new to hbr sorry if i make comments that show ignorance of how you do things please point me to resources i'll be happy to read up i'm not a big db expert either but like you have used some dbs and have a little experience also a bit of experience making a couple of database-backed websites. I like the idea of the third design of tags. I would also change the APR episode intake process to make any new tags in the new format, format have a cutover date time after which all the new entries in the database use the new tagging scheme, populate the new tags tables and not the old tags fields. In fact, even remove the old tags fields to avoid confusion about which set of tags is the right set. That way, you only have to do you only have to do that. Populate the new tag fields from the old tag fields step once at cutover time. You keep a copy of the old site and update it for a while until confident that the new site works properly. I don't know how the HBR site is served. I got the impression from your series that it's 
static pages generated from a DB. Perhaps you generate a new set of pages when a new episode is added to the database. I think you cannot go this way if you want to use that query you developed. What other shows have what other shows have at least one of the tags that this show has? Or at least it would be difficult to implement. Can I read somewhere about the way the website is served, the tech stack, etc.? Is there a public repo for the code? Read only acceptable. Thanks for all of your great extensive show notes. Really appreciate it. Wow, that's quite a comment. Uh, I replied to this tags and series. Thanks, GWS. I wasn't so much. It wasn't so much the storage issue I was referring to, more the logic of the suggested change. I do like what you're proposing, though. Sorry you got bitten by this crappy comment system. I said to Brenda, thanks, Brenda. Thanks for your comments. There's a GitLab instance with a repository which holds some of the public code. I gave a link to that. Your suggestion for the transition from the old to new tag system is pretty much what I had in mind. We haven't yet discussed all the issues amongst the admins. Uh, Ken says janitors, the HBR janitors. Uh, the site is not static, although there have been discussions about making it so. I take your point that there's a conflict between having a static site and offering tag query features, though. So quite a lot of comments on that one. Yeah, um, the David, the comments were 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 pretty interesting. Uh, were pretty interesting here, and and uh, even though I didn't understand it very much, it appears that there's a lot of people out there that that really do get into that. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. It's uh, I hope that that might be the case. That there might be some people who. Uh, would find that that was fun and would uh, would come in with comments. So I'm I'm very happy that 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 happened. It's one of the major benefits of this community, that's for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. So moving on then, um, show two two seven one Raspberry Pi zero W, and this was Tony Hughes again, and he's talking about the new Raspberry Pi zero W single board computer released on the twenty eighth of February, and he. Uh, he does a nice review of it, um, which uh, he was very quick getting this out. Actually, I think he he uh, he posted it just days after the the zero W came out. So good for you, Tony. That's excellent. So um, yeah, it was, I, I thought it was a good review. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that he got it and and got somehow got it powered in that birdhouse. And it's taking pictures of the eggs in the birdhouse and and doing uh, uh, sending back his sensor data to the to his house uh, to his house uh, was was pretty interesting on that too. Uh, yeah. Now that totally amazing uh, that he was able to do that. I didn't really understand how he got power out there to that birdhouse. I'm not quite sure how, how he's done that. No, it's something I'd like to do. I also have two zero w's one of which is currently actually running a camera which is looking out the window but uh, i'd like i keep i've got a bird feeder i'd like to keep the thing next to but how would you yeah power is the issue you'd need a lithium-ion battery or solar solar power yeah yeah that's what i was going to say yeah that would be cool you think it'd be enough uh you think you could get a big enough panel and keep the battery charged I don't think they draw very much. I, I still haven't bought a single board computer, mostly because there's so many of them in this episode added to my confusion about which one to get. But <laughs> when I was looking at the specs, I think uh, I think you could charge a battery with a solar panel and and go pretty easily with that, even a small one. Yeah, 
I don't know for, for certain, but that was the way I was hoping to, to go. Um, I would quite like to get some close-up shots of uh, birds feeding or something like that. I don't get much of any great interest, but uh, still, good pictures. It's worth, worth having. It's a fun thing to do. Well, like Ken would say, uh, old basement full of those Singapore computers. So one day I'll do a, a show about them. And, uh, but uh, this W, people are making stuff. Uh, it's a very exciting one. People are making stuff from it. Uh, I saw something about using an iPhone 5 keyboard, keyboard and they were making a PDA out of it and stuff. Uh, fantastic little device. It's a lot of possibilities for that. It's a, it's a great machine for, for all sorts of uh, things like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think I, you just volunteered too, so let's put that on the record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. More shows, please, more shows. <laughs> so we had one comment on this show from Droops who said, very cool. I'm really excited to finally get my hands on one of these little ones. My kids and I have built several projects with my full-sized ones. I want to teach a class next year using Raspberry Pis. So that is, that's very cool. I'd like to see what he produces. Droops is a yeah, he's a teacher. I think he changed jobs recently, but he's uh, he's certainly done shows for HBR about his some of the projects he and his his class has done. Okay, next one then is two two seven two, and this is from only half the time. We haven't heard from him for for a while, I think, and it's entitled "In which our hero takes four hours to install Hyper V Server 2012," and uh, it's. It's a tale of woe, which boils down to using the wrong sort of raid on a on a server, a key key server, as far as I can gather. It's so it's it was a very detailed episode with some amazingly detailed notes, which is which is wonderful, and it was uh, it was very well presented. I thought. Yeah, the delivery here was fantastic, and I've got to admit, when he first led into the uh, bit about Raid Zero early in the episode, my stomach dropped. Definitely uh, gave me a little anxiety listening to him initially. This is fantastic. If if the other um, episode about Plan 9 and whatnot is the embodiment of what we ought to have, I think this one is a continuation of that. The the uh, hacker topics, the technical topics with this wonderful delivery, dramatic delivery, was, was just fantastic. In fact, when I was listening to it, I, I was in uh, in my lodge, and we were having an open house, and I was sort of sitting in the corner laughing to myself, and I'm afraid I, I may have ran some people off laughing at his commentary, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, he did it. He did it really well. You really felt you were there with him as, as he was dealing with all these issues. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I really, you know, uh, uh, next to the Plan Seven one. I mean, this this one was the for me the month, and and you know, it goes right into what I do at work and stuff. And and you'd be surprised, people really do make that mistake with the zero a lot, and then you have to go and have the fix it. And and his delivery, golly, three gold stars for the delivery. That was such. He must have prepped that thing for a really long time. Yes, yeah, he did did a fantastic job there. It's um, we used to run RAID Zero at the university I worked at on a box that uh, ran the Usenet news service because um, it's a striped thing, isn't it? I think the because Usenet news is very very heavy on disk, and I think it was done for that. But the, isn't there a RAID level that where you you do a RAID one on top of that? Is that RAID ten or something like that? I think it is, isn't it? But uh, yeah, yeah, still. It's it's an it's a sort of mistake that 
you can imagine somebody making. There was one comment on this show from Steve who said, been there, entertaining episode. I have so been in situations similar to what you've faced. Thanks for sharing. So the next show was from Nira Shades, whose handle the um, eSpeak cannot deal with at all. And he was talking about fountain pens. Uh, yeah, I know that Mirror Shades is into fountain pens, so it was great to, to hear his um, review of pens, paper, ink, and, and so forth. Um, I'd really like to hear more on this subject and uh, from him if he, if he cares to do more. It's classic old tech. <laughs> That's what it is. It's old tech. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think so. It's it's becoming more popular. Um it's quite cool uh, in certain circles now. I think. Interesting, uh, interesting, Dave. You know, uh, I, I went, I went to to Burbigan the other day and uh, had a had a, a presentation with the young people, and uh, they started going back to moleskins and carrying books and writing stuff down. It, it's really, really coming back. <laughs> I know. I must admit, I use a paper agenda, so I'm one of the, one of the ones stuck in the past. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, though. It's, see, both my kids are both, like I said, in their twenties, but they're both nuts about pens and stationery stuff. My son's fountain pens, my daughter are not so much, but uh, but yeah, there's, there's, I think a fair number of their friends too are into this sort of thing. I think it's just cycles of. of uh, whatever it is, fashion or something. So we had two comments on this one. One was from Droops, who has done a show on fountain pens. And he says, fountain pens, awesome. <laughs> Just a great comment. And I commented pretty much as I've already said, great show, we need more on this subject. I enjoyed this show a lot. Thanks for t- talking about pens, ink, and paper. I think we mo- need more shows on these subjects. Maybe there more there are more enthusiasts in the HBR community who'd like to contribute. So I uh, don't know if that's the case, but it would be good if there is. So the next one was two two seven four from JWP. First Microsoft Service Surface Pro Ubuntu sixteen oh four dual boot. So you recorded this from the car, I think you said, didn't you, JWP? It was, uh, I was good for you. In the car going up to going up to Amsterdam, and the so I was in the car for a long time, and I just I figured out how to do it on the iPhone. But uh, yeah, I, I'm actually using the Mumble now on this the very on that very laptop uh, now that that Surface uh, with Ubuntu and the Mumble. So I'm doing it now. It's happening. Uh, uh, I, I can't remember the last time I booted into Windows with it. So that's, that's amazing. That's really interesting. To I've certainly heard good things about this device, but I've not been driven to 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 get one myself. But uh, yeah, you said it was good for watching movies and and stuff, um, which yeah, which I thought the, was intriguing. The Surface has a great screen. Uh, a great screen. I, I got the idea from that guy Noah at Jupiter Broadcasting. He he had done one, and so I went and bought the original Surface Pro, and it wasn't an issue at all. Uh, I just had to use some UFI stuff, and it booted. It's just like a normal x86 thing. And uh, the pen works, and everything works with 1604. No special anything. Very good. Yeah, that's, that's quite impressive. The um, There was one 
comment from Windigo who said, very interesting possibility. I didn't realize that installing any kind of Linux on a Surface was a possibility. Whole new category of hardware to repurpose. Thanks for another great episode. Yeah, and did I hear you say you were recording this with the uh, Bluetooth interface in your car? Yes, uh, on the on my Apple. Yeah, so I pressed the vo- voice memo. I to- or I told Siri to go to the voice memo, and she said, "Yeah." And uh, then I, I I started talking through my car speaker, and it worked. It, it it sounded really good in the car. It had a little bit of wind sound when when I uploaded it and everything, uh, but it, it worked off the Bluetooth speaker in the car or microphone in the car. I think that's great. I, I think it really goes to show that you can record episodes just about anywhere. I use a little rock box to record mine, little Sans Eclipse zip, and I had never thought about recording. We're losing you, Christopher. You've, you've gone off. Yeah, it, um, it, it's interesting that you said rock box because I, I'd really like to see more rock box stuff, uh, you know, because you, you can get $6 or $3 or $4 MP3 players now off of Amazon. I really wish that someone would manufacture one with Rock's box on it. You know, yeah, uh, right there, right there for six bucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I really agree with that. I've got a bunch of Sansa clips and clip zips and Sansa fuses and stuff, which I've bought secondhand just so I can run Rockbox on them and uh, keep them keep them going. But a lot of the more recent devices, nobody's nobody's pulled a Rockbox to to it. So it's a that's a great shame. Could do with more of it. I think you're very right. Just got a message from Christopher saying yeah, yeah, he's got talk a to me. power problem. Or actually, Mumble talked to me. Yeah, Chris is, Christopher has got lost power. So now he's the, now now that reusable battery would really come in. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. What a shame. He was when we started. He was suffering from a really heavy storm in his part of the, the world. So. Maybe that's the consequence of it. From his accent, I think he's from North Carolina or, or, or somewhere around there. I'm not for I, sure. I forgot to ask him where he's based, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I bow to your knowledge in that one. Well, he but, said he said lodge, so he lodge is something that uh, lodge is something that you would do maybe out west. I don't think you do lodges out east east anywhere. So maybe he's out west somewhere. You know, and with a lot at a lodge. <laughs> yeah. I can hear anyway. us. Arkansas, he says. <laughs> Arkansas, Arkansas. Okay. <laughs> uh, they have lodges in Arkansas, really. <laughs> okay. Anyway, thanks, Christopher, for for joining us. It's been it's been really cool. So uh, yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's press on then, shall we? JWP. Um, we're up to two two seven five and. Uh, this call entitled Penguin 2017. Uh, it's from Ahuka. And this is Ahuka, who is the, uh, who runs the technical track at this conference. And, um, he's talking about the, the content of the, the conference and so forth, which is, I think it's just finished, has it? Um, or maybe it's ongoing right now. 28th of April, I think, was it started. It might still be ongoing at the moment, actually. But, uh, yeah, he, um, he's he been involved in this for a while. But he said this is his last time running the, the technical track. So, uh, But it sounds really cool. Corey Doctorow was one of the speakers, I heard him say, and some amazingly interesting stuff in the, in the lineup. 
Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it, it's always good. You know, you know me, Dave. I'll, I'll take off and I'll drive anywhere to get updated on any kind of tech. But uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, Ahuka, he really. I mean, he had that Libra Office series, and now he's technical lead in one of these conferences. He's really getting out there and doing some stuff. Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah. He's a yeah. He's, he's an impressive guy. He's he's doing a lot of stuff. And uh, yeah, we've we've thanked him over and over for his Libra Office series. It's been brilliant. So yeah, yeah, that was good. It was interesting to hear about. And it's one of these things I listen to and think, wow, I'd love to be able to go to something like that. But uh, well, <laughs> it's well, expensive. It was it was a hookah that that really, uh, Michaela, my wife. Uh, so I had I was on the Bluetooth speaker at the house and. And he was talking about LibreOffice, uh, and so he went into this this really long talk about how to do PowerPoint on LibreOffice, and and uh, we were, you know, we were always trying to find a computer that would run Office so she could do like a PowerPoint or Excel or whatever. And she completely, after she heard him talk about it, she completely switched right there and downloaded it, and we didn't do the Microsoft thing anymore. That's very cool. That's a great story. Sure, he'd be delighted to hear that. <laughs> yeah, well done. Okay, let's move on to two two seven six tunnels and trolls and dungeon delvers from Cloud Two, and he's again talking about um, another game book series. Tun, I can't say it. Tunnels and trolls is, um, I think he said, is a more accessible alternative to Dungeons and Dragons. And um, Dungeon Delvers is a more simplified is a simplified version of D and D, but uh, th these are game book yeah. type things that sound very well, cool. It, well, I mean, the, the first series was about the single player one, right? And I, I was, I was, you know, being, you know, having been all over the world, and and uh, the single player one was really interesting. And this was a little harder for me to follow, but I sort of got it. Uh, it was sort of like if you didn't want the the detail of Dungeons and Dragons, and you could still sort of play by yourself because it was a book, and you could read it and take turns with it. So uh, it seemed it seemed seemed pretty interesting. Uh, seemed pretty interesting. I wish children would play this instead of the PlayStation. Well, I know it's it's interesting you say that. Like I said earlier on, my daughter's in into D and D. She's heading off to Canada next month. For, to, to, to help out with some some work there and uh, and she was saying to me earlier what, what shall I take to read I need something to sort of entertain myself <laughs> I don't know whether something like this would, would suit, suit her you know it's a, as you say it's a good thing to to get youngsters into yeah you might want to look on eBay and see if somebody's selling that for a pound or two yeah absolutely absolutely it's something to to be researched I think yeah yeah I, you, you cut out a little bit uh uh, Dave, but yeah, uh, I don't know if you heard me, but maybe you should, maybe before she goes to Canada, look on uh, eBay and see if you can get a uh, uh, get her a little game for a pound or so. Yes, yes, indeed, I did get most of that actually. But uh, are we are we having a few problems with this uh, with Mumble? I wonder. I don't know. Hopefully not. But uh, anyway, let's press on. I mean, you you sound crystal clear, buddy. Crystal clear. Like oh, you're good. right here in my room. You 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 sound very good actually. Um, just been one or two little hiccups, but uh, I don't know. I think we're we're doing good. So let's go on to show two two seven seven, 
which is from Mirashades again, and he's talking about OuterNet and other projects. And the, the gist of this is um, systems or facilities that provide free internet access um, by alternative methods. He's talking about Project Loon, which is a, um, a Google project, which I've heard about, uh, which sounds most intriguing. There's Facebook's Internet org, which is just coming from for some criticism, I believe. I don't know the details. And there's Outernet, which I've never heard of, which uh, sounds most interesting. So it, um, yeah, it's, it's an, an interesting subject. I'd definitely like to learn more about. Well, um, I don't know about the free internet, but uh, there's this company called Endless now, and I looked at some of their PCs, and what they do is they build PCs, and one of the things that they do is sell these cheap little ARM PCs to Texas prisons and, and Texas. And uh, uh, they, uh, um, I have a lot of offline content, Wikipedia, and, and, and cut this con- uh, make custom content. So it's sort of an alternate internet, and endless, uh, they make very, very inexpensive PCs. John O'Bacon is advising them now. Uh, uh, and so it's sort of an alternate internet uh, kind of thing. Wow, that's, that's again, another intriguing idea. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I remember var- there's been various comments about this type of thing in the past, but I've not really followed followed it in great detail. But, yeah, I must, I must follow some of these links and see, see if I can learn more about it, subjects in general. There were two... Two comments on this one. Um, Low Tech Morgellon commented, Outernet user said, Hi, enjoyed your episode. I've had an Outernet receiver up and running for a few months now. It's definitely a neat project. My biggest issue is with the $9 chip. It's always locking up or powering off. I'm planning to switch back to the old OS and a Raspberry Pi for stability. The $9 chips are now impossible to find, so the Outernet guys are working on their own dedicated hardware that includes the processor and SDR all on one board. It's currently codenamed Dreamcatcher. I'll try and sit down tonight when I get home and record a companion to your episode and give a full review of my experience with the Outernet. I look forward to hearing that. The the chip, the Outernet devices is built around the chip, as I understand it. And Mirashades replies to that saying, sounds awesome. When I recorded this, I was hoping someone out there who had more experience with any of these could shed some more light on them for the rest of us. I've been considering getting one of the kits, but I have too much going on right now. Looking forward to your episode. So next was me again, 2278, some supplementary bash tips. I got in this you idea. Got some fans. Uh, you got some fans from this, man. Like, <laughs> yes. you, you read the comments. You got fans. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I started doing this silly thing where I called these things some, then a word, bash tips. And I thought, oh, have something like more or some some synonym of more. So I've nearly run out of them. and I've got reached supplementary. It's. <laughs> I really regret doing that, but never mind. Um, yeah, so... More about Bash, and this one's about the uh, uh, expanding expansion of, of path names. So uh, it um, hopefully was was useful to, to some people. 
Um, yeah, going on to the comments then, I had a comment from somebody who signed as uh, unverified who said, you rock. I've been meaning to comment somewhere on the site about how great a resource the site is. But if I were nothing, but if it were, but if it were nothing but Dave Morris reads the man pages, I'd gladly listen. Your attention to detail and calm mannerism is very pleasant. And that it happens that you cover the good stuff any Nick's user needs to get a handle on is just perfect. When there is a, a lull, I'll go through them all again and again. Thanks for holding up far more than your end of the podcast. I'll try to break past the public speaking phobias and help and help with the tags too. Well, thank you very much. That's a that's a wonderful comment. Um, it's uh, <laughs> I have said in the past, it's just basically me reading the man pages. Um, but the real answer is I'm trying to understand them and pass on what I've tried to understand, which I said more or less in my comment. Um, so I said, thanks. That's a great comment. Thank you. My principle is to find stuff I don't understand or didn't in the past and share what I've learned to help anyone who wants to grasp whatever it is. I've just uploaded part two of this two-parter, so there's more to come. Smiley face. So uh, not sure if that's a warning or what. Hope you managed to make episodes of your own. For my first one, I wrote notes for HPR, but also made myself a list of the points I wanted to cover and rehearsed the episode before the final recording. Whatever gives you enough confidence to do it. So uh, I hope we get some shows from uh, Unverified. So next is JWP again. So we're we're competing on the number of shows we're doing this month, JWP. You know, you can't grab that. It, I know it is was it? it was supposed to be the first of November. Uh, it was supposed to be the first of November, and and uh, I I I did it. Uh, I did it, but yeah, I, Ken, I carry this Intel stick with me around everywhere I go now. Yeah, so it lives it lives with me in my backpack, and the uh, and and I mean, they couldn't have made a, a more awful device with the canonical logo on it. Really, really. <laughs> It's it's a, it's only got eight gigabytes of storage and one gigabyte of RAM and and it's got UFI on it and oh man it's just been a a, a real pain but uh, it does this you mix them or you act them he has all kinds of flavors for these things and I downloaded the Lubuntu one and now I got it to work uh, and and yeah I was intrigued that you were talking about Pulse Audio and this. Uh... Pulse Audio Volume Thingy Control Pavu Control to get it to to work. Uh, that's that's um that's quite um quite useful advice in general actually um, about how to deal with sound issues. And and in fact, this very day I've run this to try and make sure my sound was working for for this recording um, and found it to be. Uh, Really if you've cool. got Pulse Audio, that right click on the speaker brings all that stuff up. But if you don't have it, and then you're trying to use that looser mixer thing, then that it, it doesn't work out so well. And of course, if I do a show and I've got a computer, i got to do Audacity because that's just the easiest way for me to do it because that's what I learned how to do these things on. So um, uh, it, 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 I figured it out. So now it can be a desktop too. That's very cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. 
So you've got another show coming up which introduces this device, I guess, is it? And this one was really meant to be a follow-on to the first, and they've now gone in the wrong order. So Exactly, uh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, but Ken grabbed my, you know, because I really wanted to, you know, I, I sort of, I didn't see you at, at, uh, at Fostem this year, but I saw Ken, and I was like, well, you know, I've got to take 15, 15 minutes for Hacker Public Radio at least once a month, and and get this going uh and get get this going so i i tried to do the first monday of every month uh put a show into the queue for the rest of the year and then ken ran out of shows and he grabbed my one for november that's a shame anyway i don't think it's spoil anything i'm sure it'll it'll we'll be looking forward to hearing more about this uh compu stick device so shall we move on to the last show in the last two two eight zero yeah, sure. We'll move on. Uh, we'll move on. Uh, Mishaela just came home from the play. You, you okay to to stay here then, JWP? Or you you going to move on? Uh, no, no, no. I, uh, she just came home. Uh, a precious fluffy came home from the from the uh, from the from the musical in Stuttgart. So so uh, I'm I'm still here. Let's do the last one. Lenovo X61 Part Two. That's a yep. great show, by the way. Yes, this is again Tony, um, and this time he's telling us his his. Uh, the whole process of buying these things and and uh, getting he goes to an auction place where he gets this sort of kit which i think is very impressive i don't know of anywhere like that near where i live but uh, he's, he's doing well, amazingly I, I well mean, i mean the the key if if you're gonna do this people really really it's it's exactly what he did right go and get an ssd you'll just just trust me believe me Go get an SSD and and then check the battery and then get on eBay and get a replacement battery and it'll, you'll be beautiful with any of these things. Yeah, he just seemed to have really worked it out very well and got something quite quite desirable. He says he's using it as his sort of main main driver um, uh, after after reconfiguring it and so forth. The the only thing was he needed to put uh, Linux Lite on it to get the best out of it, which is interesting again. Uh, I'd like to, yeah, to you put an SSD on it. Uh, you put an SSD on something that changes everything. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> I've got um, EEE PC in the cupboard, which I'd really like to. Used to run Crunchbang on it, but I'd really like to get something else on it and make it make it usable again. So uh, yeah, some yeah, some think, useful I points. It only come with SATA, though. You have to have an SA SATA port in there in your laptop somewhere so a lot of those older ones they have a p a t a oh in, yeah in yeah, a, yeah 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 i'm not sure i'll have to go and look at it it might be too old to uh, to get a santa connector yeah i hadn't thought of that but um yes well whatever it's it's good to, to that this is a route that you could take if you want a, a portable lightweight cheap machine Tony himself commented on this show, uh, saying, "Just an update. I needed a replacement non-OEM battery for one of the X61s I have, 61Ss I have, with a total dead, totally dead battery, and it's something you have to factor in when you're buying stuff from auction." Yeah, that's, that's that's why I said SSD and a new battery. Yeah. So just just go ahead and do it from the very. <laughs> from the from the get go, and it'll be it'll be much much better. And that and you you can get uh for instance I don't carry a, a power supply in my 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 backpack anymore. I have one at home and one at work. And uh, uh 
and that's and that's it uh that that's it because i, I bought one on ebay for four euros and put it at the office yeah that's that's good that's a great way to do things anyway tony's saying that he managed to get a i won't read this in in detail because he's basically saying that he's got uh, got a, a replacement battery and uh he's saying pretty much what you were saying that uh that it's given new life new ssd and battery and uh, it cost him 93 pounds to to do all of this and he might be able to get it cheaper and he's got a very very functional machine as a consequence so that's very well, cool you, i don't know if you've heard of the pine dave the pine 64 laptop the 89 dollar one that's, yeah. that's out there so i want one wouldn't i would want i would i would almost want to get tony a pine 64 and have him compare that old IBM with the Pond 64 thing and tell me which is better. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's interesting what's happening in this sort of area, isn't it? You know, things are things are sort of shrinking and being becoming lighter weight and everything. So yeah, it's it's intriguing. Very 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 much so. Very much so. Well, that that looks like the last episode. So this is my first time doing the news and. Hey, I really appreciate Christopher from Arkansas coming on too. He sounds like he's he's super super smart. Yeah, he's done some great shows for us and stuff. I know he's a very knowledgeable guy. We um, we do have a few more comments that we need to to look at. Are you going to be able to stay around for them? Because w what happens is people sure, comment. Sure, uh, they sure. commented. You, Go on. Uh, I just don't know where they are. Yeah. Okay, I'll, let, I'll tell you in a moment. Um, what we'll what we need to do is there have been various extra comments added to shows that were that were released earlier on in the year, and uh, but the, the comments were added during April, so we need to go and uh, just look through them. Um, you'll find them in the in the the notes that I pointed you at. There, um, there's a list of comments this month in the. Uh, the show notes for this particular episode. Okay, so I'm I'm at the HBR two two eight one community news for April twenty seventeen. That's right. Scroll down past the table of shows and you'll see a list of comments. We've dealt with the second block, but we need to just check out the first block. Okay, so it says uh, fourteen comments on eight previous shows. That's right, yeah, yeah. So we had an extra comment on 2178, which was called Dice Mixer, and it was from Klaatu. And it was Klaatu himself who replied to 5150, uh, who'd made the comment about Tinhorn, the expression Tinhorn come from, that it referred to a, a gambler. But uh, Klaatu says, I'd never heard of that one, 5150, I like it. As for me being a good salesperson, I think no one has ever accused me of that before. <laughs> and we have show 2212, Meanderings, Cyberpunk and the Minidisc by Kuvmo. And we had a comment from somebody called 1F, Anti-Hacker. Thanks for the episode, loved it. I consider... Oh, he's, they're talking about... Uh, um, a, a manufacturer. Minidisc. Yes, the tournament minidisc, yeah, but that... S, it was S asterisk I was puzzling over. They're talking about a manufacturer whose initial letter is S. It's hostile towards hackers. So while some of their innovations are interesting, I'm done with anything carrying the S asterisk name. 
I still have a PS3 collecting dust and that was my final straw. When they take hackers and makers to court just for trying to do cool and interesting stuff, they show just how anti-maker they are. They have the track record to prove how poor their treatment of the user community is. Remember Beta versus VHS? Remember Memory Stick? Long history of failed cool stuff. Sometimes it's difficult to put these things down as they're so cool, but on principle I put them down now. That's well, just... You know, I don't know if I totally agree uh, with, that, with, with that, because it, you have to understand the in the last 15 to 17 years, Japan went through a depression that was very similar to what America went through in the 40s. And so the, these Japanese companies, they really after to protect their IP, uh, and the things are really, really tough in Japan right now. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, it's um, it just, just seems so restrictive. Some of these these practices. Um, I think what was it? Things like the was it the PlayStation that you could run uh, Linux on at one point, and that yeah, was I, that was pulled. The thing was, was for no good if reason. Could put, if you could put, it, but if you could run Linux on it. That meant that you could get into that PlayStation network and you would not have a, you know, they didn't have any control of if you had updated your Linux image or not. And then they could get sued because you were on their PlayStation network with a hacked Linux box. But weren't um, people buying them by the, by the, the hundreds uh, in order? Uh, was this the device that you could then network and make a really powerful cluster out of? Was that the PlayStation exactly, 3? Yeah. yeah. And, exactly, and the universities exactly. were doing we, this. Well, exactly. My son, we sold his. The guy in Greece bought his. And, and the guy was like, has it ever been connected to the internet? And we said, we didn't know. And the, the guy was like, need it for a desktop. So they, he needed a 20 euro desktop. And uh, it, it had been connected to the internet, so it didn't work out for him. And we gave him his money back and let him keep the device. But uh, that people use ones that have not been connected to the internet for desktops down and developing places yeah yeah anyway it's uh we'll we'll leave that there i think um and skip on to the next one so the next was 2236 which was be easy show on hoarding raspberry pies he was talking about he was doing with a with a bunch of raspberry pies he had and there was some humor around the fact that the um the speech synthesizer um pronounced P-I-S, uh, the plural of pi, as piss. So <laughs> I said... Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, he's got an addiction that everybody, that quite a few of us have. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I'd have added an apostrophe, I said, to the plural of pi, but it's generally thought to be wrong, even though he speak then pronounces it in the non-urinary way. I've seen someone suggest it be raspberries pie, but that seems silly. Mike Ray comes back and says, the apostrophe is definitely wrong, but as a screen reader user, this is a thing I struggle with constantly when writing pages and blog posts. Writing PIS definitely gives a pronunciation that is undesirable. Maybe it would have been easier if Eben Upton hadn't made the mistake of calling it a PI, P-I, instead of a P-Y. The PI part was supposed to be short for Python, but hard to believe he got it wrong. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's interesting yes yes anyway it's uh i think that it's good that, that comment thread is pretty pretty much dead now i think 
Then we have 2249, which was New Year episode three. And there was comment three from Dodd Dummy, who variously writes his name with four or three Ds in it. Um, new episode title, Conspiracy Gate. It's just commenting that this show was something else. I didn't realize there were so many conspiracy wonks in the group. Regarding the 100% figure on Scotland voting to remain, I think it was he was referring to 100% of the areas, not actual voters. I assume Ken's quote with all 32 council areas remain confirms that. Frank comments, Windows actually supports the always on top function. It just has no GUI means of activating it. But some programs use it, most prominently media players. There are third-party tools which make it available globally, such as ActiveAid, written by the staff of a German computer magazine, C-T, C-apostrophe-T. A quick installation guide, English installation guide is at, and there's a URL, ActiveAid also brings other Linux goodies, such as drag a window with Alt plus LMB. So this was a, a lot of discussion about all manner of things on this particular show, and these are couple of things that uh, have been have been picked out it's it seems like a long time ago now yes uh, definitely so we have uh, 2253 how to make and use a stencil by Ina Biener Did I pronounce that right yeah I think so. not a German speaker I think so. I think so I think so yeah hold on I'm just finding the comment nine so this was her first show, um, which you know, I've lost myself here. Yeah, uh, Michael says, thank you. Nice episode, Bina. And congratulations to your first HBR contribution. And she replies, at all, thank you all for your comments. This is really encouraging. And RTSN says, good show. I just want to say I really enjoyed this episode. We'll try to make my own someday. Good episode, and I hope to hear more from you in future, which I echo. I thought it was a, it's a great first show. She obviously uh, has got a lot of interesting things to say. I, I thought it was a really good show. It was uh, one of the first ones that I got after getting my iPhone and starting to listen to the shows again. Yeah, it's it just goes to show that uh, HBR is, is good for all manner of, uh, of stuff, you know. Making a stencil, what's that got to do with hackers? Well, you know, it does, it does, it Depends on your definition, but it's certainly of great interest, I think. Well, I, I really think with the show, Dave, that that uh, in the last three or four years, especially with the PI, that it's really turned into a maker's kind of thing. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah. if it doesn't matter if you, you know, like the it doesn't matter. So, any kind of tech maker or philanthropy kind of thing, uh, libraries. Uh, uh, you know, charitable, charitable things. It, it you you get all kinds of things. I, I don't know if you remember. I did one on uh, the founders of PayPal. Also, do a charitable thing where you can donate to like small businesses and in, in India or someplace, and they'll just on your five dollar loan for seven years. But, uh, I don't remember it, that. It, oh, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, I, I did a I did a show about that. Uh, I don't know, three or four years ago, maybe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the the uh, uh, 
but it, it's interesting. I think that it's really taken off because mostly because of what that's gone on in the PI because it's really turned the world into a a maker kind of thing. So a stencil is a maker thing that you would that goes right along with you know whatever you would do with the PI. Same mindset. Same thing with the fishing thing, you know, it, it's sort of a maker kind of thing. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. 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 That's, that's what I love about HBR personally. I, I don't think there should be any thought of restricting what, what, uh, what comes out, whatever you, whatever you no, feel no, is appropriate. No. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, that's what it's, it, that's why I say it's a sort of a maker uh, community. We we are making uh, it's from the raspberry PI sort of thing, uh, sort of mindset. Yeah. Uh, to make we always make something yeah absolutely yeah yeah no, that's good so uh, we're nearly at the end of this block 2254 which was an introduction to model rocketry by Steve Sainer we read one of these comments last time because we last recorded on the April the 1st so let's move on to comment 2 comment 2 was from Rowan are the memories Hi, I was thinking about your show last night and the memories of building model rockets as a kid. There was a hobby shop near my home, and at one point it had a row of model rockets, motors, starter kits, etc. One of the most exciting times was building a two-stage rocket that used either C or D motors. I remember the thrill of watching the two stages go off and then chasing it across the fields as the wind caught the parachute on its return to Earth. Thanks for a great episode. That's great. That's a nice idea. That's that's a really nice memory. That's uh, it was a cool show too. Um, and I you want, think it, that that show was uh, probably the best of the. It may be. It it's a long time till the end of the year, but I'm willing to bet when, when we do the yearly review that that's going to be a top three show. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's a, it's a gem, a real gem. Do you want to do any of these comments, uh, JWP? I've been sort of hogging them. If you want to want to step in and do any, you're, you're very welcome. Sure. Hold, hold on, just a second. Uh, just a second. Let me go back to the main screen. So it's uh, so after Rowan commented, there was a one called NSNSTR. That's right. And he he did an exclamation point, and then he said, "Thanks for a wonderful show on." A subject I had no idea could be so interesting. I hope to hear more of this. Keep it up. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all agree with that. So I'm hopping between tabs here. So uh, the, the next one was two two five five, which was me. Me, me too. Me too. Hold on. Hold on. I'm <laughs> using the pen, so it's, oh, it's a little slower for you're me. You're on the surface, so it's a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We're talking here about 2255, the good ship HPR, which was my show. And there was a seventh comment added to it. Scroll. So the seventh comment was from Dodd Dummy. From Dodd Dummy. He said, and he said, Dodd, it's D-O-D Dummy, not Dodd. It's uh, dummy. It's the guy. He's a Department of Defense dummy. That's what he is. A DOD dummy. Department of Defense. Okay. So I'm thinking the episode should should be. I'm thinking this episode should be something like sticky notes that forms keep at the top for reference. Uh, that yeah. So I'm thinking that he listens to that in some mil, some some military office somewhere in the world. Uh, he listens to Hacker Public Radio somewhere. <laughs> the fact that his last name is Dodd uh, is could be a clue, but I may be wrong. I may be wrong. Okay. It's a good thought, though. It's a good thought, though. Um, so the last one was two two five nine mini discs. A response to HBR two two one two from John Culp, 
and we're looking here at comment four and comment four was from Kuvmo who I think did the first episode you said mini disc John great episode perhaps we can get the powers to be link what these as a series oh yeah powers. yeah okay he's asking if we can link these as a series to uh, entice others to produce more as a failed light wheel mechanic I love the truck episodes he's saying to to John who uh, who does yeah, he's done a few I have a mini I have a mini disc too so I I could do a mini disc show maybe so maybe there'll be a third mini disc thing we could do a series yeah 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 that would be cool it's a fascinating uh, subject those are great devices I think so yeah very good yeah. But remember, Sony did it, and that dude, that guy didn't. Other guy didn't like Sony, man. But I, I really love that particular technology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. So we traditionally zoom through the mail to the mailing list at this stage in the game. So um, we can do that fairly quickly, I think. Uh, let me find the tab. So the mailing list is linked off the notes. It, it's actually before the comments, sorry, I took my finger off my press to talk there. Um, and we had a series on HBR promos, a thread on HBR promos, where Ken said, hi, all in today's community news, there was a discussion on getting more hosts to the network, and there's a need for new promos. I'll zoom, zoom through these really quickly. He's asking if anybody can help preparing an HBR promotional video. This is HPR. And we got a reply from Droops who said, I'm game to help. And then he followed up a while later with a long message where he says, um, here's a suggested script for, for such a thing. He's suggesting that um, if we made a video with different people telling one story, uh, with each person only saying one of the sentences, and he's he's got a list of things. It's a great idea, actually. I'm not quite sure how that would work, because everybody then needs to have some sort of video capability, don't they? But uh, being being old and stuck in my ways, I, I, I doesn't immediately appeal to me. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure others will will see it very differently. And there was a comment which seemed to be a little bit out of sequence. David T was asking about podcast that ended with guided hacker meditations which doesn't ring any bells yeah i saw that i didn't i didn't get that i didn't get what that was really i i saw it i didn't get what it was so. no no yeah. hopefully he'll come back and explain what he was asking and we had a I comment hope so. I hope so we had a comment from an email from kuvmo in this thread where he says about this business of doing a show i love this idea and be willing to submit something and he says, on a related note, I noticed one of my fellow victims on the tank game BZ flag had his motto set to his art site. And it made me look. I immediately set my motto to hyperpublicradio.org, hope to drive some views, which is that's an interesting idea. Just sort of, you know, wearing an HBR t-shirt or a badge or something, or those sorts of things as a way of getting the word out, I guess. Uh, I think I think uh, one of the things in relation to that I, I think that that Ken that somehow either either we ought to do a crowdfunding for Ken so that he can go to an event one time and not have to have a microphone in front of him 
in front of him and just be the hacker public radio guy uh, and talk to people uh, <laughs> yeah. talk to people about it right i talk to people about hacker public radio and stuff instead of instead of always recording and stuff that he could sort of be the hacker public radio ambassador uh, well there's, of, there's yeah. a lot to be said for that i mean we have done that to some extent at uh Alt camp, you know, well, where we set up a table. We didn't do the as, bird as you know. feather this year. Uh, actually, I have to get my ticket and see if I can get, still get a ticket to get in. And I, I don't know if that's still you can still get into Alt camp or not. I know that it's happening, but I'm a little late on all preparations for it. I would imagine it'll still open, and they don't tend to sell out that quickly. But uh, yeah, I, I, it's too far for me to to get to. Really, it's a it's a big hassle of a place to get to from Scotland. So uh, I, I'm not going to go, I'm afraid. So, uh, but yeah, it would be it'd be nice. Oh, it's if gonna, that's two events in a row, Dave, that you missed. <laughs> that you missed, man. Uh, yeah, no, it's, one it's thing bad. I have to do this. Uh, this how how hard is it, Dave? Uh, I'm going to date myself here, man. But back in the '80s, I opened up a, a thing in a bank called NatWest. And how hard is it to go and? get your money back them to close your account with them uh you know, i haven't I'm, been there since the 80s i'm not since sure what the status of natwest is i think it's been bought out by somebody else i'm sure you could find out if you did a search for it but uh, it's probably been gone yeah. up by another bank and you still have well i think that credentials i think you could, that it's you in it. uh in i think it's in uh kent is close to peterborough and I opened the account in Peterborough so I can go on the high street in Peterborough, go back to where the bank was, and I'm sure it'll probably work out. Well, good luck because all the banks around where I live are all closing because, you know, who wants bank branches anymore when there's the internet? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <But's, laughs> anyway. Okay. Uh, anyway. So, uh, uh, should we just hop through these fairly quickly? We've got. Uh, yes, please. Um, we haven't got I can't huge... see them though. Are they at the very bottom of the screen? Or very bottom of the notes? Or if you look in the two two eight one, it's there's a link under the heading mailing list discussions, and it's just after the table of shows, and it takes you to Mailman on the Hacker Public Radio site. Hacker Public Radio. Dot org slash piper mail it says etc etc okay i'm down at the bottom where it says uh rss feed subscribe to the comments in the rss feed so i guess i need to go back up you need or is to be, it still further down no you need to be down. after the the table of shows right at near the top okay let me go back up to the top it's not in chronological order i'm afraid and while you're looking, I'll just mention that uh, the next thread is about the amateur round table um, second second try, and uh, Michael, uh, who is Mirwi in Germany, I think, um, is is trying to to organise setting everything up for another one of these round table talks. I won't read these out because really they're they're uh, quite long. We have a reply from Steve. Steve Sainer, who is uh, keen to, to do this as well, but it seems to have stalled a bit. April the 4th was this uh, message. Yeah. So 
hopefully I didn't see any since, since I since I started subscribing to the mailing list. So I'm up at the very top and I'm with the header now and I'm at two two eight one community news for April twenty twenty seventeen. So where scroll, do I click with my pen? Scroll down scroll. to mailing list discussions underneath that table. And you'll see there's okay. a there's a link at the end of that those paragraphs just before comments this month. That takes you to the the mail. mail I got it. List. I see it now. I see it now. I see it. So yeah. I click on the mailman. Just click on that link there, and it'll take you to the the threaded discussions for um, the link right at the bottom, the one that says HTTP slash Piper Mail, blah blah blah. So it says HBR archives when I clicked on that, and I got a bunch of HBR archives starting back at twenty April twenty seventeen. So I would get the just click on the thread thing. Yep, yep. I'm just walking through the, the the message threads here. That's all I'm doing. I think we can we can zoom through this pretty pretty quickly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's an amateur roundtable. How to proceed, yep. and then Set, and then the second, second message. try, uh, and, and HBR Penguin series by Kevin O'Brien is next. Yep. Kevin O'Brien says, "Can we have a series for PenguinCon?" He has done loads of shows on this subject, and the answer was. Yes, indeed, and it was created. Then we had the next community news stuff, and basically I was asking if anybody would be prepared to help, and a bunch of people um, commented, uh, including yourself, um, JWP, and Christopher did, and we had problems with um, later on with the fact that the Mumble uh, server that I put in these messages has apparently gone away, hope temporarily, but uh, maybe permanently. So we're actually using Honky Magoo's um, Mumble server today, which he kindly uh, mentioned and uh, let us uh, access. And uh, it's been fine. Everything's been going well. So anyway, I'll you can read it for yourself. <laughs> it's not much. I got it. I got it. Going. It's great. Great. <laughs> you got... uh, okay. So I think we'll just call so, the hold at so that point, Dave, we man, I think we've come, come, come to the end, I guess, now uh, I of the show. So. I think we've Aren't done we? it. I think we've done it. Yep, yep. <laughs> we'll call it quits. Okay, so so with the mumble, I just have to press stop, right? And then it stops, and it'll tell me to save it, and then my Dropbox, just, and you just, get it, right? That's it. That's it. You don't need to send it to me. I will just ask for it if I need it. So, okay. Uh, if you can just stop it but, and make sure you have a copy of it somewhere available if I need it, then uh, that would be okay. that would be fantastic. So thanks, All John. Right. Hey, I'll press the stop. But hey, no problem, man. Hey, Thank uh, you for your nice help. Nice talking with you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.